Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. Okay, y'all, we are um, doing class four, and this is session three. Um, if you remember, we were talking about the different conceptual models, and we had gone through several of them, and we ended it on the behavioral model. This is the behavioral model right here. Um, this is the model that actually is the one that most of your school personnel will use and most of the folks who work in school psychology get trained more in this one um, than in any other. Now this one is a little different from some of the others because this one does not care what causes your problem. All right, it's based out of Skinner's work. Um, Skinner uh, looked a lot at the concepts of reinforcement and punishment. He actually proposed all these. Um, if you remember, if you did do learning and memory, we talked about he saw man as a machine. Um, so there really was no thinking involved, which would mean there's no root cause for anything. You've just learned certain consequences to behavior. So this ties really heavily back into your functional behavioral analysis, applied behavior analysis with your ABCs of behavior. Remember the antecedent is what triggers a behavior reminds you to do a behavior or causes you to do a behavior then there's the behavior itself and then there's the consequences of a behavior um, now this view is looking at we're going to assume that all behaviors learned and that anything you've picked up that you're doing um, that isn't appropriate you've been reinforced for it and so what we're going to do is change the consequences of the behavior so that that behavior won't stay in place or the behaviors that we want will increase. So what we're looking at in this little chart here are the actual four categories of consequences. Now, there's only four categories, but there's a lot of things that you can do within each category. So you're going to have to really tailor this to the individual in question. It's color-coded, so I love this one. All right, so note, if you go over to the left, if you want a behavior to increase, this is something, there's a desired behavior, and you would like to see more of it. Things like sitting quietly, saying thank you, saying please, um, doing their work. All right, those things you would want to increase. And you'll note the blue word that goes across is reinforcement. All right, so anytime you want a behavior to increase, then you would use a consequence that was reinforcing to the person. All right, then you'll go down and you'll see the decreasing behaviors, that kind of orangey color. And what you're seeing there is you want behavior to drop. All right, this would be the things like walking around the classroom, saying bad words, hitting somebody, crying. You want all that to go away. All right, and you'll note the word that goes with that is punishment. So we're going to apply some form of punishment to get these behaviors to drop out. All right, at the top, we've got the red and the green. Sometimes we're going to add something into the environment that was not typically there in the first place, and that word is positive. All right, we're adding in something whenever we do something positive and you can note the red is we're taking something out of the environment now this would be something they assume would be there all right but we can't take away things that are 
rights. No, we can't take away food. We can take away certain foods, but they have to be able to eat. Um, they have to be able to have clothing. They have to be able to have a certain amount of attention, all right, because we need that. All right, and that word is negative, and you can see that that then ties us into four different categories. All right, so when a child does something that you want them to do, and you may just catch this in like one second intervals, but you've caught them doing something you want them to do, you have choices. You can positively reinforce them or you can negatively reinforce them. And so we're in that kind of blue background up there. All right, positive reinforcement is when I add something in that the child is actually going to like. All right, with little kids, this is oftentimes a food-based type of thing. Now, you don't want to get carried away. We're talking one Skittle, one goldfish cracker, one M&M, something like that, that we give them because they did what we wanted them to do. All right, social reinforcers are simply, I'm so proud of you. You did a good job. We smile at them. We, you know, we... If they're our child, we can maybe give them a hug. If, it, if you're, you know, a psychologist or a teacher working with them, you just kind of pat them. Um, but we're basically giving them the I am really proud. And we may give them a sticker. Um, they get to check something off on a chart. As you get older, these may be, you know, other types of things like we're giving you 10 minutes of free time that you may enjoy doing. We want to make sure we don't go really big so that we are taking away their intrinsic motivation by giving them this extrinsic stuff. All right, so we want to kind of build up that positive reinforcement in the sense of pride. And we can do that by saying, I'm really proud of you. Aren't you proud of yourself? All right, to begin to kind of develop that I like that I do this, okay, that I did well. Right, negative reinforcement is a little bit different. We're taking something out of the environment, but this is still reinforcement. All right, so what we're taking out is something they don't like. We're not taking out something they do like. We're taking out chores or we're saying you don't have to do this homework assignment because you did this, this you know, sitting still for 20 minutes. I'm not going to make you um, do this project, right, that you would have to do at home tonight. I'm letting you out of that. Um, so we give them a homework pass, maybe something like that, that we're taking away this very negative thing that they don't enjoy. And they like this. So this is going to make that behavior reoccur. All right. And we're giving them this in place of whatever consequence they might have had before. And kids like to be noticed. And we all do. Right. And we all want to get some good attention. And this is a good way right, to begin to build their skill set up. You don't want to overuse this stuff. You don't want to use it when it's fake. All right, so you don't want to tell a child they did a great job if they didn't do a great job. All right, you can say good effort, right? And that would be positive, but you're not, you don't want to lie to these kids. All right, and, you know, putting their picture up on the wall, uh, that could be very reinforcing. So you've got lots of options in each of these categories. All right, those should be used probably a little bit more than punishment. When we start punishing, we start to get all kinds of negative side effects that we may not want. All right, and remember, these are children with issues already. Um, they're not your typical kids. And so using punishment sometimes is going to actually backfire on us here, especially with the positive punishment. All right, so when we go to positive punishment, this is something we want to decrease. We want this behavior to stop. And so we add into the environment 
uh, something that is aversive, and that is a positive punishment. All right, so your classic thing we think of is spanking, but obviously that's something we don't typically want to do, particularly in a school. All right, so it could be just scolding, all right, where you're, you're saying to a child, you know, you really, you know, you really shouldn't do that, you know, stop it, right? Sit down, behave, okay? Those are things that are not fun, right, and are considered positive punishments. All right, we may give them extra work to do. So we're adding something extra in the environment. I want you to write 500 times, right? I will not hit my classmate, right? And they have to sit and do that, right? You may make them go stand in the corner, right? That's a positive punishment that, that they would have. Um, when we go to negative punishment, it sometimes is a little bit more effective than positive punishment. And here we're taking something out of the environment they assumed that they would have. Now, again, as we mentioned, nothing that's a, an actual right. So they, they lose recess. You know, you're supposed to get recess today, but you didn't do your work and you punched somebody. And so you're going to sit in here, right? And you're not getting recess that you should normally get. Right. Sometimes we'll actually take them out of the classroom, put them in a timeout setting. Um, you're going to have to sit over here. Right. Now, usually this is in the same room, um, but it can be very upsetting to these children, you know, that they know they're in the naughty chair. Right. Sometimes we literally take them out of the classroom and put them out in the hall or there'll be a, a room, you know, like a detention room that, that we may can, can put them in. All right, and so in any situation, you're going to, a lot of times we react very, very quickly, and we really don't think through um, what this would be, but the negative punishment with the little kids, a lot of times it's move your clothespin, I don't know if y'all have seen those things in those little classrooms, but your clothespin's up here on the green square, and if you do something bad, you got to move it down um, off of that green square so you're taking yourself out of the green and putting yourself on the the yellow which is a warning and then we move down to red and you're in big big trouble um, so we've got lots of the different things that we can do if you're doing the the ABA and you're really observing this stuff you're going to be able to kind of standardize this a little bit better instead of just reacting um, and so we definitely want to focus on, you know, really praising the good behavior and then trying to at least somewhat deal with our negative behavior. And remember, sometimes this is bad negative behavior that we're dealing with with these kids. And again, this is more used. You'll, you'll see this a good bit more than the other approaches. Um, when we look at causes of these disorders, we're going to see different things. But there are certain children who we do think are at greater risk in terms of just the, the biology. It's a, maybe the chemical makeup of their, their brain. Some of the neurotransmitters really are um, kind of out of um, the alignment that they should be in. And that puts child at a little bit greater risk. Lots of things that would go into this category are going to have some strong genetic or heredity influence. Um, those include things like autism. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Bipolar, where we see the children shifting from the manic phases to the depression phases. Um, schizophrenia, there is a childhood version of schizophrenia, but the typical version you're not going to see until they're, you know, really out of high school. So we're just dealing with the childhood version for here. Um, obsessive compulsive disorders and some of the anxiety disorders might go in here. 
um, kids who might have Tourette's where they've got some, um, you know, behavioral issues that are going to, going to show, um, maybe some tics and things like that. And then, you know, a lot of times they have none control over their, their language skills and pop out things that, that might be embarrassing, like growl or hum. Um, and depression would, would also be something that has a good genetic influence. Some of the biological factors that may um, occur, um, teratogens or anything that the mom might have ingested during pregnancy, that doesn't look spelled right, um, that would be a problem for um, the child, you know, if she was drinking or taking drugs. Any kind of infection that the child might have had, like a, you know, maybe a meningitis or encephalitis that might have infected their brain exposure to lead or any kind of toxins um, that could cause, again, sort of a difference uh, in the structure of the brain. Other things are going to be um, environmental factors. We're calling those psychosocial factors. A lot of risk factors there. Here's some of them. Um, discord in the family where the parents fight a lot. That actually causes children to become very, very upset. Um, and again, they will act out um, because they don't feel safe or secure. Um, you'll know that poverty is listed on here. Now, poverty by itself is not necessarily going to be a factor because some families who are impoverished do a beautiful job of raising their children. But poverty ties to a couple of things on here, and they're down at the bottom where you see poor health care and poor nutrition. A lot of times if you don't have money to you know, buy very nutritious food, you're feeding your child food that's really not nourishing their brain as well as it should. And you may not get the quality of health care that you might need. You're, you tend to say, well, we just don't need to go to the doctor for that. Whereas if there had been a little bit more income, they would have taken their child. And those are the reasons poverty can be really, really tough um, with our child. Um, other things that can cause problems in terms of the environment would be if the parents are neglecting the child and just not seeing that they um, have the proper, you know, clothing, the coat for cold weather, or they're not feeding them at all. Um, then you got abuse, which is obviously a much more serious issue, and that can be all forms of abuse. Um, that takes a huge toll on these kids. Um, even if it's emotional, actually, that's probably one of the worst ones. But physical, sexual, any kind of abuse is really tough on the kid. And then just fear of rejection. There are actually kids who parents tell them, you know, I don't like you. Um, I grew up with a girl told me when we were in adulthood that she heard every day, if we hadn't had you, we could have had a boat. Um, and that was very hurtful for her. She never felt loved. Um, obviously those kinds of things, any of those can, you know, cause some really problems with our emotions, which is going to affect our behavior.